Hey, everybody. I'm Selena Allen, and with me is the wonderful Max Schaefer. Hello. Uh, so, yeah, welcome to Time to Adapt, where we break down movies and the books behind them. We're su- I'm super excited about today. Uh, we're going to be talking about Good Omens, the, the book and the series that has come out about it. But quick, I just want to let you guys know that we have an Instagram now because we're super fancy and a Facebook page. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Time to Adapt Podcast, all just condensed, no spaces, and Facebook, um, just Time to Adapt. Um, with, again, yeah, we're super fancy. So, yeah. <laughs> We have the it's, yeah. Oh, and you can always find us under Zima uh, Podcasting Network. Um, yes, and as always, we want to hear your opinions. We want to know that there are other people listening. So please shout out to our email, time to adapt Zima at gmail dot com. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, and or let us know on our now Instagram or Facebook page. Yeah, so, anything. Yeah, all the things. So how are you doing, Mac? Oh, not so bad. It's been a... <laughs> not so bad. <laughs> oh, not so bad. Yourself? Oh, not so bad, McMurray. <laughs> what a great show. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, so as I said, uh, we're talking about Good Omens. Oh, so excited. Because <laughs> I, I will... I'm just Y'all, she is everyone. beaming right now. She is, like, shaking <laughs> in happiness. And, like, I'm, I'm for it. Because, like, I, I also love the book and love the... Love what we're gonna talk about, but also like when we like we were talking about this like a couple weeks ago, she was like, Mac, I am so excited for this. You have <laughs> no idea. I am so excited. David fucking Tennant. Yeah, I'm okay. Like- so just to warn you guys, like I love David Tennant so much. I went to see him on a panel at Comic-Con, um, not the fancy one, the one in Madison, which was still it was great. But <laughs> uh I sat the whole time like beaming, just basking in his light and I was like I know I'm a grown ass woman but I'm fangirling like I was when I was 13 and it's okay so I'm gonna try and rein in the fangirl in me but it probably is not gonna happen I don't have a good track record when it comes to fangirling so anyways Mac (laughs) why don't you take it away (laughs) take it away take it away take it away so the book Good Omens or the nice and accurate prophecies of Agnes Nutter which (laughs) is a comedy about the son of Satan and the end times the book is split split up into several subplots. So, the book, Good Omens, The Nice and Accurate Prophecies of Agnes Nutter, which is a comedy about the son of Satan and the end times. The book is split up into several subplots, a demon Crowley and an angel Aziraphale, who work together to try and prevent the end times because they are enjoying Earth too much and don't want Armageddon to start. The Antichrist, Adam... After his 11th birthday, his powers start to manifest in some pretty unique ways. And another subplot is involves Newton Pulsifer, an anathema device, both descendants, one from a witch finder and the other a witch. Yeah. So, it, yeah. So these the book weaves together all these little subplots to where it all comes to a head at the end where... At, um, Newton, Pulsifer, and Anathema Device. That's a mouth. Anathema Device. There we go. <laughs> they join up with Crowley, uh, Zerophil, um, Adam, and then Adam has a group of friends called the Them, and they all confront the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and then 
essentially Satan. save the world and, and Satan. We can't mm-hmm. forget about him. Can't forget about him. <laughs> and end up saving the world. Um, it is a truly delightful book because just the humor, if, if you're a fan of Hitchhiker's Guide of the Galaxy, the humor is very much in it's that It's very strain. Douglas Adams, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, there's like so many like threads that weave the story together that it's hard to like summarize, give a quick synops- synopsis. So as we talk about like the background of the book, what we thought about the book, um, we're going to go we'll into some spoiler and, territory. Yeah, probably. we're going to get into some spoiler territory and we'll try to make it as coherent as possible. <laughs> yes. Because, yeah, there's the book. There's just so many. There's several characters um, like Shadwell, who is a witch finder, and uh, Madam Tracy, yes. who is a part time Jezebel. As uh, part time Jezebel. <laughs> I part-time, forgot about that. Yeah, part time uh, Jezebel, part time. Um, uh, Oracle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Be gone, they, Jezebel! <laughs> they, they also are in on this journey. So, um, it's a, it's a large cast of characters. Um, but essentially the bare bones is this large cast of characters all in their own way are trying to intentionally or unintentionally save the world. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, from Armageddon. So to dive in just some info for people who don't really know, um, the book was a collaboration between Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett, and it was first published in 1990. Um, Pratchett and Gaiman had been friends since like 1985, and it was their idea to collaborate on a novel. And it wasn't the idea didn't come from a publisher. It was like it kind of was born out of their friendship. Um, Gaiman, uh, said this about their writing process that um, we were both living in England when we wrote it. Terry probably wrote about uh, 60,000 raw and I wrote 45,000 raw words for good omen with um, on the whole. So Terry taking more of the plot with Adam and the them and me doing more of the stuff that was slightly more tangential to the story, except that broke down pretty quickly when we got towards the end, we swapped characters. So then we both written everyone by the time it was done. Um, by the end of it, neither of us entirely was certain who had written what. It was indeed plotted in long daily phone calls, and we would post floppy disks. Um, this and this was back in 1985 when floppy disks were really pretty damn pretty, floppy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, back and forth. So there was a lot of like every like they would call each other every day to collaborate and definitely yeah. send a lot of floppy disks back and forth. And to those who are unaware, Terry Pratchett is probably best known for creating the Discworld series. So there are 41 books in the series and it's they're really funny. Um they're not they're not nearly um I don't think anybody really gets into them as much as they should cuz it's really good stuff. Um so it's like a comic fantasy book series um and the whole idea is that it's on a literal, like, it takes place on a flat earth that's held up by a turtle. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it's, it gets, there's a little more to it than that, but it's pretty damn hilarious. Um, and the other author, Neil Gaiman, of course, we've talked about, we talked about Stardust before. Yeah. It, yeah. He's one of the best. He's he lives in Wisconsin. Thank you, Neil, for repping Wisconsin and American Gods, by the way. We're going to cover that one very soon, too. Yeah. 
Yeah, so. that one's not on the list. <laughs> yeah. Our list keeps growing. It's it a little scary. <laughs> yeah. So the book got a lot of good recognition as soon as it came out. Yeah, it was praised pretty highly. And I'm going to go on record and say I think it might be one of the funniest books I've ever read. I would put it up there for me, like for funniest books, it would be up there with Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was super well received, uh, nominated for several awards. Um, there was talk about writing a possible sequel. It would have the the slated title was uh, six hundred and sixty eight. The neighbor of the beast. Um, but after Gaiman moved to the United States, Pratchett was kind of doubtful that it would be written. Uh, nothing ever came of it. Um, and then, yeah. And Terry Pratchett, for those who don't know, he passed away in 2015. So yeah. the the sequel, yeah, never happened. Yeah. Which I'm actually, I'm happy about. Like, I, I think it's... I think it works fine just as it is. Yeah. So it, it's a it's a really good standalone novel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, Mac, how did you first get into... Did you kind of discover the book by yourself or did, like, us working on the podcast, like, kind of, like, motivate you to read it? I mean, I had heard about it, like early on in college because when I was starting to get into Neil Gaiman I started reading the Sandman around Mm -hmm. like my freshman or sophomore year of college and one of the things that they would always say on the back is that he wrote he wrote the Sandman he wrote American Gods and good and co-wrote Good Omens with Terry Pratchett I'd heard of Terry Pratchett a long time because well you know I I used to hang out in bookstores a lot and there was always his name's everywhere his name's (laughs) everywhere Pratchett's name is everywhere and even Neil Gaiman's name is everywhere yeah so and then eventually I had heard that, oh, it's a really funny book. And then I downloaded the audiobook and would listen to it. And it's a fantastic audiobook. Yeah. I, I also listened to the audio audiobook. Um, but yeah, like basically I, I'd seen their names everywhere and I and I was already slowly kind of going through Neil Gaiman's like books. Like I'd read um Stardust, like even before we'd even became a podcast <laughs> yeah um and i finally got around to reading Coraline because i love the film and oh boy we'll talk about that one we'll too. talk about that one soon um yeah so Damn, that's a great that's a scary one yeah and i and i just i saw i read the the description for this book in audible because i was looking for like a new book to listen to while i like go about life and to make you know the everyday a little bit more interesting and i am so happy that i just like dived into it because I think what is really at the heart of this book is just in like these lovely friendships, like especially between Crowley and Aziraphale, like clear, like they're supposed to be on two different sides. Like Crowley is supposed to be on the side of Satan and evil and Aziraphale on light and good. But in the book, like clearly heaven and hell are bureaucracies. And these two guys are just like, they're just enjoying their time on earth. It's so interesting. Humans are so interesting because they're not inherently good or evil. They're yeah. a mix of both. And that's kind of the whole point of the book is that the world isn't inherently good or evil. No one is. We're all a mixture of both. It's more of like the world is, is, is shades of gray. Yeah. And that's, the way I, and I, that's I, what I really Crowley as. and Aziraphale enjoy because and that's and that's why they don't want the world to end because they're just. One, Crowley says even at one point, like, he doesn't even have to really, like, put any evil out in the world. He just has to give humans an idea and they'll do it on their own. And Zero Fail will 
you know, does the same. So they each balance each other out. Um, and then just the story with them is really fun because just how these kids are written just reminds me of when I was a kid just making up stupid games. <laughs> yeah. Um, except for one of them is the Antichrist. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this is going to a little bit of spoiler territory here. Yeah. Um, the running, how it all starts is that the Antichrist is brought on earth and a convent of satanic nuns the chattering order of what was it the chattering order of the of uh oh my gosh i'm going yeah i can't remember the why why am i yeah where are we of yeah the chattering order of saint barrel saint barrel that's it silly me yeah yeah so <laughs> took me the, a second the chattering I, always, order. I always just it's quicker to just say the chattering order yeah chattering <laughs> order um they're supposed to switch out the baby with a, a regular baby with the Antichrist, and they mess it up. But they don't find out till eleven years down the road when, yeah, um, like there's like a hellhound that's supposed to show up for the Antichrist on his eleventh birthday. On his eleventh birthday, that's when his powers manifest, and that's when Armageddon's supposed to happen. Yes. Uh, well, to supposed to like, it's a snowball effect. So once the Antichrist turns eleven his powers start to come and that's when the world starts to kind of bend uh, and reality starts to just. And there are signs. Yeah. The signs signs that happen is, and this is actually one of the funniest things is that um, the antichrist can will anything into existence that he wishes. And he's an 11 year old boy. So keep that in mind. (laughs) And he has conspiracy. he, He finds some conspiracy theory magazines. So he wills them into existence. So Atlantis rises from the grit, rises from the ocean. The Kraken is released. In, oh, uh, he read something about that. Oh, event. UFOs. <laughs> there were these UFOs yeah. that like come that come down to Earth, offer peace, and then just go away. They're like, I don't know why we have to offer peace, but <laughs> we have to offer peace. And then oh, the that, last one, the t- that. Uh, Tibetan monks were uh, were digging tunnels under the earth. Yes. Um, so there were a bunch of <laughs> in the book. All of a sudden, just a bunch of co- very confused Tibetan monks are <laughs> like, well, "How did I end up here? What the hell? I don't know. I'm just supposed to dig." <laughs> yeah, and it's it's hilarious. And then obviously, because the um, the two of them, Crowley and Aziraphale, are supposed to watch over the antichrist and to make sure that to make sure goes, ha- goes correctly yeah. and they make a deal with each other where they'll basically give each, each of them 50 like do a 50 50 thing where like the the Aziraphale will tell him good things and crowley will tell him evil things that way he's not entirely evil or good Her, yeah um because basically heaven and hell have been just kind of gearing up for this giant fight. They've been and, gearing up for it for 6,000 years. And so to prevent the fight, because they are, they love earth so much. They're, they're just having a great time. And they're like, I actually don't want to fight you. Like, yeah, you're my best friend. <laughs> so, yeah, literally. And like, I love, the- so they're like, we'll try and make the antichrist as normal as possible. Um, but unbeknownst to them, the re- they've been, like watching mentoring. over this other, this completely other kid. Yeah, named Warlock, uh, who's who's very not has lovely little toesy woesies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it, it is kind of like a comedy of errors. Um, yeah, and it's <laughs> and it's amazing. And I mean, like I love like religious humor because 
you know, as an agnostic, I love to I love to make fun of the things that are offensive. So <laughs> the fact that this I don't know if that's like an agnostic trait, but like I I I know where you're coming from. Yeah. <laughs> but with all of this and just the way that the it's handled, I just can't help but I can't breathe. I'm laughing so hard. It was funny. I even I've been trying to get my dad to read this book forever. When he was recovering from a surgery, I bought him the book so he could read it while he was recovering. He didn't read it. <laughs> so when I went on that wedding to Tennessee yeah. last month, I popped in the audiobook for him to listen to. And about two hours in, he was he loved it. Yeah. But he still won't finish it. <laughs> Come on, Dad. Get, the, get, the get the program. of the book are definitely the humor. Uh, the beginning is rock solid, I think. The, I think, yeah. If I had one criticism, it's that the, the last half... It's great, but it's nowhere near as great as the first half, especially with humor, because it's just so it gets a little bit more solid. serious towards the end, mm -hmm. which it makes sense because that's when like Armageddon Armageddon is happening is or it's right about to happen. And so everybody's like it, it, there's still a lot of humor in it. It's uh, yeah, it's definitely. Yeah. So it's a bit of a tonal shift. Mm -hmm. So I would say it's solid, though. Yeah. Throughout. So ten the, out of ten would read again. <laughs> ten <laughs> out of ten. I will read. I mean, I probably will read it again soon. Yeah. So, after even as soon as it came out, there were talks about a film adaptation, and the first adaptation that was in talks would have been direct. Was Terry Gilliam was in was in talks to direct. Once again, Terry Gilliam attached to a project that never was, which would have been awesome. It honestly. would have been amazing. So even in two thousand two, he was hoping that the movie could have been made. And but by 2006, uh, funding was slow to appear. But yeah, there was a great rumor that I, I'm just reading this for the first time mm -hmm. and it's literally making me fangirl a little inside. Johnny Depp was going to be Crowley and Robin Williams was a zero fail. There is nothing in this world I want more now <laughs> than as Robin Williams has a zero fail. Oh, he would have been the per like besides we'll talk besides about Michael Sheen besides Michael Sheen because I am like a devoted like fan of him as a zero fail. Um, but yeah, Robin Williams would have been fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And there was even a point in 2008 when Gaiman or Gilliam thought that the project could have been done because Stardust had just come out and Beowulf was successful because Neil Gaiman co-wrote the screenplay for Beowulf. And, yeah, they were, of course, yeah. it, it still didn't. Nothing came from it. Yeah, he was hoping that because of all that traction, that it would have given the adaptation a better chance of being picked up. But it just, it just wasn't. Um, and like the history of this project and similar experiences with Gaiman's various other works, like um, including the Sandman series, led him to have a really cynical view of the Hollywood process. Um, Pratchett also shared a very similar opinion. Um, and Pratchett was actually quoted saying the difference between me and Neil and our attitude to movie projects is that he doesn't believe they're going to happen until he's sitting in his seat eating popcorn. And I don't believe they're going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, Terry, you definitely had a very, narcissistic outlook <laughs> well, not narcissistic but cynical cynical very thank cynical. you yeah why wrong get, one I, I why did like... i get those words mixed up jesus it's okay mac i know <laughs> I've, yeah. been, I've been used to it for 27 years now but 
yeah, so in August 2012, uh, Rihanna Pratchett, is that how? Rihanna, yeah. yeah, Rihanna Pratchett announced an, an establishment of a new production company, uh, Narrativa, with plans to produce, among other projects, a television film based on her father's book, Good Omens. So with that, like, let's just kind of dive into the background of the series and we'll just talk mm, about what yeah. we thought about it. So the miniseries was um, in production with Amazon and BBC Studios. All six episodes were created and written by Neil Gaiman. He's also the showrunner, too, which I think is great. It makes sense after watching it, like how. Yeah, we'll we'll go into details yeah. to like how like because I first just straight up. I think it's a great adaptation. Yeah. So. So the series was directed by Douglas McKinnon and it was com- all episodes were released on May 31st, 2019. I really wanted to watch it the day it came out. However, I was moving out of my new my old place, so I couldn't. yeah. It was like a it was a it was time. a rough couple of days. I, I waited a few days before binging it. <laughs> so, among the cast, there's David Tennant as Crowley, Michael Sheen as Aziraphale, yes. Adria Arjona <laughs> as Athema Device, Miranda Richardson as Madame Tracy, Michael Sh- Michael McKean as Shadwell. Jack Whitehall as Newton Pulsifer, John Hamm as Gabriel, and Francis McDormand as the voice of God. There's a lot of others. Like, oh, yeah. Nick uh, Offerman's in it. Benedict Cum- Benadryl, Benadryl Cumberbund <laughs> is in it for um, he's, like he's five lines because he's the voice, voice of, of Satan. Satan. Yeah. Because I love that. I loved when like they announced that Benedict Cumberbatch will voice Satan in Good Omens. And those who have read the book know he's only got like three lines. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I didn't. I, yeah. Yeah, it was still great. <laughs> so yeah, um, Gaiman and Pratchett trying to make the film adaptation. It didn't work, but Gaiman received a letter from Pratchett posthum- posthumously urging him to finish the project. Yeah. So in January 2017, it was announced that Amazon would give the project a green light for an adaptation into a television series. Once it was released, it re- received mainly positive reviews with the main conscious, um, the main review conscience on Rotten Tomatoes being a smorgasbord of heavenly imagery and irrelevant hilarity Good Omens works thanks to Michael Sheen and David Tennant's very nearly holy or maybe unholy chemistry through at only six episodes long it's a rare adaptation that may have benefited from being a little less faithful to the good book Yeah, which I mean I can understand how it's not for everyone yeah which we will talk We will talk about that. <laughs> there's, there's there's a fun little tidbit <laughs> coming up, but yeah, just David Tennant and Michael Sheen's chemistry throughout it carries the show. And like it, there's everything else is amazing about is really good about the show, but they make the show. Yes. Um, and like obviously Michael Sheen and David Tennant have been in the business for a good like what 20 years in filmmaking David Tennant is perfect <laughs> I am tell me how biased. you really feel <laughs> I am not biased at all uh, yes our old 11th doctor and sobs <laughs> sobs he's, he's, Wait, he's, Selena he's, it's okay Selena I'll take deep breath Selena I don't want to go no <laughs> Don't do this to me, Mac. <laughs> That's a Doctor Who reference for those of you who uh, are uncivilized. He was the best doctor. He will always be the best. Well, I right He right. wasn't no Tom Baker. Well, I'm talking about playing the new Okay, well I know, I know, I know. 
I also have a belief that Peter Capaldi is super underrated. He was just given really terrible oh, work. He is a fantastic. Yeah, well, good doctor, bad writing. Radio- anyways, <laughs> some other time. Sorry, I just get distracted by the attendant and his beautifulness. Um, so <laughs> yeah, so it did. Yeah, the show came out with a lot of good reviews, and holy crap, it was fun. It was fun. It was such a fun watch. But there was one group oh. that didn't like it. Yeah. So there's this Christian group that um, I guess they're called Return to the Order, which sounds very... That sounds like an Illuminati-esque thing. It really does. Uh, so they created... We a- are the Return of the Order. <laughs> you s- have disappointed us, Amazon or Netflix. <laughs> very, yeah, it sounds like Star Wars, yeah. The order will rise. So they created a petition that grant that uh, words. They created a petition that gained over twenty thousand signatures to remove the show from Netflix. Now, if you Netflix people, uh, if you remember what we said in the beginning of the episode, uh, it's an Amazon show. Um, so their complaint was that Good Omens is another step in making Satanism appear normal, light, and acceptable. And mocks God's wisdom. And God, they complain, is voiced by a woman. Um, the Antichrist is a normal kid. And most importantly, this type of video makes light of truth, error, good, evil, and destroys the barriers of horror that society still has for the devil. Um, so that's fucking Nerds! <laughs> fucking nerds. <laughs> but they didn't even do their research well enough to make sure that they were protesting the right fucking company <laughs> yeah so gaiman responded this is so beautiful promise me you won't tell them on- <laughs> so that's what he tweeted and then netflix also responded with a tweet saying okay we promise not to make any more <laughs> and then amazon got in on the joke and said hey netflix we'll cancel str- cancel stranger things if you cancel good omens <laughs> um so so that christian group the the new order or whatever they call themselves the new order <laughs> <laughs> that's that's, that's a very different that's a Return very different company order, you yes. know <laughs> i know Return to the order <laughs> they um they have since redirected their online protest after realizing that they done fucked up the um, damage is done <laughs> damage is done and they said due to an oversight by return to order staff this petition originally listed netflix as responsible for the offensive series um, <laughs> we regret the mistake and the protest will be delivered to Amazon when the campaign campaign is complete. So yeah, that's just, I think that's, it's, um, we just had to add that cause that's just that, too that, fucking funny. <laughs> and it reminds me a lot of like the, the same response that happened when like the, the golden compass movie came out and mm-hmm. just like, and it's not even, it's, I don't know. Like that's not the I point don't of think, the show. Like the yeah, <laughs> I don't. I think like the best thing I can describe about the point of the show is that they're all been waiting for this battle. But in the fact of the matter is, they didn't need to have it in the first place. And that's how the Antichrist basically ends the battle is when he's like, "Yo, I'm willing this into not happening. There's no need for this to happen." He basically tells Satan that he's not. You're not you're, my dad. You're not my dad. <laughs> And then saves the world because, yeah, he, Satan wasn't, well, like, Satan was, like, his dad, but not, like, his dad. Yeah. So. He may have been your father, but he wasn't your daddy. (laughs) Uh, So, let's, oh, my God. I just love the relationship (laughs) between Crowley and Aziraphale. Like, 
It's almost like they're they they're like on and off gay lovers. They're they're best friends. Best friends. And like, if you want, like, but they give you enough. So if you want to make a fan fiction about them, just like fucking, you can. But if you want to be like, oh my god, they're best friends. Like, they're just the sweetest best friends that ever lived. And yeah. like, there's a moment where they kind of like and break we're the up. Two best friends that anyone could have. And then they make up, but then. Crowley thinks his best friend is dead, and I literally I was crying. Like I don't know, Dave. They're just brilliant actors, and I couldn't see David. Like it's perfectly casted. All the oh, characters are, ex- and that's what makes this adaptation casted. really work. Yes, is that if if the people if the actors weren't playing those characters, I don't know. It just, who? Yeah, it, it, I don't think it would have held up. Um, but I agree. I agree. It works as an adaptation because the heart of it is still the same. It's, it's that no one is inherently evil or good. Even the devil, like the the demon Crowley, isn't inherently bad or good. He just and Aziraphale isn't inherently good either. He's yeah. He's got some evil stuff in him, but it's not really evil. It's evil just, is just not good. Yeah. And uh, as what was it Crowley said? He, he didn't fall. He was. He's not necessarily a a fallen angel. He Crowley just didn't fall. sauntered downward. Sauntered downward. <laughs> and hung which out I think, with the wrong crowd. <laughs> which I think that's how most people end up doing that. How most people end up evil. Downward. They just saunter downward. <laughs> so I think you've made it abundantly clear throughout this episode your thoughts on the series. I freaking love it. And it's it's like a good portion of it is because David Tennant is Crowley and uh, Martin Sheen is a zero fail. Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen's a very different person. Yeah, wrong one. Sorry. (laughs) Michael Sheen. (laughs) Martin Sheen just bumped, burst through the door. (laughs) Wrong person. Yes. Thank you, Mac. (laughs) But yeah, if they weren't those two characters, it would be very different, very different show. Yes. But yeah, as I said, just the heart of it is the same. The heart of it was the same. And the humor is the same. The humor works a lot. I think I think it works better because Gaiman's the one who did the scripts. Yeah. And the fact that like the changes that are made, it's like I guess one of the big changes comes at the very end. Because the book ends with literally the Armageddon being being canceled and like Aziraphale gets his bookshop because he's like he's got this like old antique bookshop that he runs because he is basically like my goals where he's like he has a bookstore but he never sells his books so he's just a book whore. and he goes out of his way to like try to get people to not buy his books yeah and um crowley has this really nice rolls royce from like 1923 or something like that 1923 like 1928 something like that yeah it's one of those old fancy cars old car yes i don't know and people. yeah neither do i and i really don't give a shit if i mess that up it's a nice car. I it's think a it's Rolls a Benz, Royce. but it doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, whatever. So it's like it's changed. So like in the book, they get like their, their lives go, go back to normal. But in the in the TV show, Crowley and Aziraphale basically are put on trial mm-hmm. for fucking up the war. Fucking up Armageddon. <laughs> yeah. Because heaven and hell really want. They really wanted to fight. Yeah. And like, I get it. You never have one of those friends who like, there's someone like they don't like and they see them again. Like, I got to fight them. And you're like, no, 
No, no. <laughs> I know you've been wanting this for a couple of years. I mean, I mean not 6,000 years, but <laughs> a lot of years, but you don't need to do this now. Yeah. And instead, what happens is, like, like they basically, they, they switched bodies earlier on. Yeah. So when they try to douse Crowley in holy water, he just, like, just he swims just- around because he's like, this is nice. He asked for a rubber ducky. Yeah, he asked for a rubber duck. <laughs> and uh, Aziraphale is who's basically, Crowley's inside Aziraphale. They try to burn him in hellfire. And Heaven just, tries to burn him in hellfire. And he's just like, this is nice. A little toasty. <laughs> so Heaven and Hell are like, holy shit, they're, something's wrong. We don't know what they are anymore. Yeah. So we'll just leave them on Earth and we'll leave them be. And Crowley and Aziraphale are like, Yay, they'll leave us alone now so we can just enjoy living on Earth. <laughs> yeah. And uh I think one of the one of the other jokes that I, I'm glad they brought into the they kept into they kept in the miniseries mm-hmm. was Queen. So uh, yeah. one of the running jokes is that um it is a fact universally acknowledged that any tape left in a car left long enough will turn into Queen's greatest hits. And constantly in the book, they reference Bohemian Rhapsody. They reference, um, I think they reference You're My Best Friend. I think so, yeah. And they bring that up in the in the, the TV, in the miniseries. Right now, when Queen is pretty much at its, like, most popular. Yeah, so, like, it's a, having a renaissance again, yeah. I guess. And I can, like, I, you can easily think that, like, oh, they're just doing that because they want to they want to pander to that but like no nope that's it's, the way it was that's, in the book yeah uh, but one thing i really enjoyed was that in the show they kind of catered like not catered, they um curated it so that the queen songs that were playing kind of related to what was happening and yeah like the the bicycle song i can't remember bicycle, the, bicycle race yeah um that one um that's playing when they run over Anathema Device on accident. Yeah. Uh, and that's when Anathema Device loses the Book of Prophecy by Agnes Nutter, which is just very, like, the only Book of Prophecy that is actually accurate. <laughs> I Yeah, I really wish there was more about those characters in the book. Mm-hmm. Because it, really, the book's really just about Aziraphale and Crawley. Yeah. But I would have loved to have known more about Anathema and her family and Agnes Nutter's family, as well as um, Newt. So we, we kind of get a little bit more for Anathema Device. Like in the book, there's a little bit more about Newt, Newt uh, versus Anathema Device because yeah. in the book, it's like she's a professional descendant. Like all of Agnes Nutter's descendants have just been professional descendants. They read her book and they keep track of the prophecies. They they basically are just like keeping track of time until the... um. Until uh, what you call it, Ar- Armageddon. Armageddon, starts. yeah. <laughs> I don't know why my the brain end of days. died. Um, whereas new, we have a little bit more, but it's basically just foreshadowing. Being like, one, he loves electronics, but he's like, every time he tries to make something electronic work, it dies, and then that's basically how he stops. Um, the four, like one of the four horsemen, what they put in place to like help end the world is to have all the countries blow up all their like nuclear bombs and yeah. just have. So what Newt does is he 
goes into this army base and he tries to make these computer wars work and then he saves the world in that sense. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Um but in the in the show, uh, Anathema Device, her character, we get to see like her mom and them having like a little discussion about and her being like, well, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know. Like Agnes Nutter, her prophecies, I don't understand them. And her mom's like, you know, just what we've always done, you know, really just break it down and just have faith in Agnes Nutter and that everything that she writes is going to come true. And so you get a little bit of that. Um. But yeah, they're they're all the characters are so interesting. I would love to get to have uh, to have more background with like Shadwell and uh, Madame Tracy, and we get a little bit more of a background for Shadwell um, in the show. And that's one thing I really liked. Like the differences was that the show really expanded on certain things that were like kind of just touched on. So um, in the book, like it's kind of it's suggested that they've that Crowley and uh, Zerophale have kind of struck up this like good working relationship friendship throughout time. But in the show, we get to see that, yes. which is super fun because like they're hanging out at a, there's that whole episode that's just devoted to, well, it's like the first like 30 minutes. It feels like, or just is just that. Yeah. Just about like them constantly running into each other. Like they run into each other at the Globe Theater. They run into each other during the French Revolution. They run into each other at uh, Jesus's crucifixion. Yes, <laughs> that was great. That was a great scene. And yeah. like, okay, one of the things that I feel stupid about this because I didn't realize this when I was reading the book, and it wasn't until I watched the the, the show that oh, Aziraphale was the one who was supposed to be guarding the Garden of Eden. Oh yeah, yeah. And Crowley was the snake that tempted Eve. I didn't put that together, <laughs> even though they basically say that. Yeah, <laughs> at the I know. Of the, it's okay. Mac. I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not a clever man, Selena. You are. You just missed the mark on that one. It's okay. That's Everyone true. has an off day. That's true. <laughs> I have many off days, though. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. any last minute thoughts, Selena? I loved it. I would recommend it. Watch the show. Read the book. Have a great time. Yes, it's great. <laughs> I would I mean like even if for somebody who doesn't like kind of fantasy stuff, I would recommend this book. It's just so clever. It's clever. It's funny. You have to have a sense of humor, though. Yeah. You, otherwise, you're going to try to petition Netflix. <laughs> yeah. That was, so that's going to make me laugh for a long time. Oh, me too. And Neil Gaiman, too. Yeah. So we have our Instagram. We mentioned it at the beginning and we're doing it again. So please join us and follow at Time to Adapt Podcast and follow our Facebook page that's going to be set up very soon. Well, we'll have it. We'll have it. You, this episode, one, yeah, we we have it. We have it, yeah. <laughs> we have it. I'm just... You could always find our show under like Zima Podcasting Network and all the other shows there too. And is there something about Good Omens that you didn't like or you liked or you, you thought we should have talked a little bit more about? Email us. Time to adapt Zima at gmail.com. Yes. So, yeah, that's been all. So, thanks for listening. And until next time, this has been Time to Adapt.